98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata. Social Studies. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Oh, 9 o'clock is here. Sarah Cazell is here. You people are all here. Let's do some social studies. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. That is where Jarrett posts the questions every morning. I read through my favorite answers from all of our fabulous listeners, and I read my favorites here. So let's jump in. Open-ended question question to start off, guys. Um, Of the Cardinals players who have disappointed you so far this season, who is having the most disappointing season and why? Kind of a negative note to start off on, but we won't end on a negative note. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't done anything. Nothing! Can you believe that? (laughs) He needs Um, a shot in the arm. I don't want to be that negative this this early in the season, do we? Who's been most disappointing so far? Gotta be uh, Isaiah most, Simmons. It's, yeah, I, it's that's, that's the obvious answer. Although he even made a huge for, play. Well, yeah, even with the forced fumble, I mean his 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 participation numbers were dreadful last week. Yeah, that's the answer. Yeah. Not, Isaiah not, Simmons for both of you. Yes. Right, right, Vinny, not your friend that you said was going to have a breakout season. AJ Green. Yeah. No, that's you, not it, on him. That's to, on me for making a stupid right, prediction. Right. <laughs> that's disappointing. <laughs> to, be, to be disappointing, there has to be expectations. Ooh. Well, he had it. He, he had a he had a, he had a moment of confusion. Is what he had. Just like you did moment. in that baseball Just segment. Just like you did in that baseball segment. He doesn't, right. he doesn't know what he's saying. All right. right. Uh, Shut up, Jerry. <laughs> I think the most people responded. It, it was all over the place, but the most people responded. Rondale Moore. Uh, Wiz of AZ says Moore is injured. We need him. His missed presence is disappointing. When yeah, well, when Rondale Moore tweaked that hamstring, most smart people okay, that's that's four weeks, right? That's three to four weeks. Yeah, but so, it's also uh, something that's followed him. But, but again, it's and it's also these games the Cardinals play by by not calling things what they are. They create these expectations. Why is he playing? Yes, if they just come out and said, you know, three to four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Don't expect to see him until uh, late September. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Joe says Trey McBride. Yeah. There you go. Chris. But, but we talked We talked but, about that earlier, though. This, these inflated expectations for draft picks are right. the greatest thing stop. since sliced bread yeah. as soon as they're picked. That's right. got to stop. Right. Uh, Chris says A.J. Green. So you have someone with you, Vince. Uh, despite that. That wasn't my answer. Oh, yeah. That's I'm right. an idiot. Despite that two-point conversion catch, he's referring to Sunday, he's been so unreliable with so many drops. Um Brian T. Prescott says either of the third-round pass rushers, where are they? Cameron Thomas and my Jay Sanders. Uh, and then DeAndre Hopkins, says Brian Barger. <laughs> they need him right now, and his decision is costing well, the team. Well, that is true. That There's no way, there's no getting around that. And, and he can he can protest his innocence all he yeah. wants. Uh, you know, we've heard all that before. That That is the bottom line. That mistake... Whatever it was, whatever it stemmed from, yeah. whatever its true nature happens to be, <laughs> is hurting this football team. I like the answer from Corp Shasta, too. Christian Kirk, guy hasn't shown up at all in the first two weeks. <laughs> yeah, where is that Christian Kirk guy? 
yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's move on to our next question. Sticking with the NFL, though, through the first two weeks, another negative question. Jared's in a mood today. Who is the worst team in the NFL? Of these four options, but if you have another team, go ahead and nom- right. nominate them. The Texans, the Colts, the Falcons, or the Panthers? Yeah, incredibly, it is a team that I was crazy high on, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. They, they're, they, their start has just shocked me. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Um, it's between them and the Panthers for me. And there's this stat going around, like uh, Matt Rule, when when the Panthers allow more than 17 points in a game, they're like 1-25, in which just goes to show you how bad the offense is. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, what does that look like for other teams? So I did it for the Cardinals under Cliff Kingsbury when they've allowed 17 or more points. It's not that bad. They're 15-24-1. The Panthers' offense is... We need to get him fired so he can find his way to Tempe. And they have they have one of the most dynamic offensive players yes. in the NFL in the last decade, and they still yeah. stink. Well, uh, do the Bears deserve to be in that mix? A lot they of people have, have a win. The Chicago Bears. Well, yeah, the Jets have a win. The Lions have a win. It's hard to put you know the, the normal teams in there. But do you consider the opponents whom they have? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not putting the Bears in there. Bick, Bick's answer is actually right. I mean, there were people picking the Colts to go to the Super Bowl. They had a lot of picks to win the AFC South this year. They have just been wretched. Man. All right, 33% of our voters say the Texans are the worst team in the NFL right now. 32% say the Colts. 19% voted for the Falcons. 16% voted for the Panthers. Uh, Christian Walker hit another home run in the first game of the doubleheader yesterday between the D-backs and the Dodgers. So he now has 35 home runs on the season. That's tied with... Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt. Imagine if Christian Walker is the guy that prevents Goldie from winning the Triple Crown. Oh, my goodness. That would be amazing. That would be hilarious. That's not why I put this question, though. Wow. Because they were they were talking about how slow I walk through the newsroom. Oh, that's why. You do. Not an actual sports reason. Something about Jarrett Carlin. Shocking. Who is your favorite walker? <laughs> Of these four options. Just kidding, Jared. I love you. Uh, Who is your favorite walker? Christian Walker, Jimmy JJ Walker, Dynamite, Herschel Walker, or Walker, Texas Ranger? Um, There's only one answer for me here. I didn't. um, Jimmy JJ Walker was a phenomenon in the 70s, but come on, it's 2022. I didn't watch Walker, Texas Ranger. Christian Walker is the correct answer. He's had a good season for the Yeah, he has. That's true. He's going to win a gold glove, too, right? That's what they're saying. Wow. People have called him the most under, not valued, underwritten about, underexposed mm. season this year. We, don't, we never even talk about him with the, any Diamondbacks talk we talk about. Wasn't That's there true. a White Walker in Game of Thrones? Oh, no, there was sure. a whole bunch yeah. of them. There's a people whole bunch say, of them. Ask Gambo about it. People have issues yeah. with your choices, Gamba Jared. Dragon. I only could fit yes. four. I know, but, uh, but a lot of Johnny Walker. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. All the drinkers. Yeah. Or else they're fans of the horrible Anthony Michael Hall movie, uh, Johnny Be Good, where his name was Johnny Walker. <laughs> That's potentially what it was, yeah. Paul Walker got a mention as well, but of those four options, 37%, including myself, voted for Walker, Texas Ranger. Really? 
Yes. Norris Hive. The, the younger out. son of Ricky Bobby. The, only because of the <laughs> former Conan O'Brien segment where he oh, yeah, pulled the lever and just play the weirdest clips from that show. Uh, that was my only exposure to that show, and that's all I needed. Ah. 37% Walker, Texas Ranger. 29% for the Diamondback, Christian Walker. 18% for J.J. Walker. 16% for Herschel Walker. Wesley Walker. <laughs> Larry Walker. Luke Skywalker. Oh, there you go. Uh, Walker Bueller. <laughs> Tight work Walker. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> uh, there you go. Thanks, uh, Sarah. Thank Social you. studies every morning at uh, 9 o'clock. Coming up next, our treat. We get to talk football with Mark Schlereth. We'll do it straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. NFL analyst Mark Schlereth talks football with Bickley and Murata. Brought to you by Earnhardt Ford and Chandler. Shop local. Shop EarnhardtFord.com. Every Wednesday, we get to talk football with uh, Mark Schlereth from NFL on Fox 104.3 The Fan. That happens right now. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. We're uh, we're still uh, you know basking in the glow of Kyler Murray's two point conversion prowess. The uh, Cardinals stealing a, a victory in Las Vegas, but we've got no clue, Mark, on what we have in a football team here in town um, because they played basically six and a half horrible quarters of football and then snatched a victory from the jaws of defeat. Do you, do you have any idea of what the the Cardinals actually are yet? Uh, no. And, you know, I went back through that game, interestingly enough. And, you know, there's an old saying that more games are lost than won. And I don't know what it is about Bill Belichick's assistants when they leave to become head coaches, <laughs> forget every lesson they've ever learned. Like, like I'm watching that game, and with 12.30 left in the fourth quarter, <clears throat> they get the ball back. Uh, the Raiders, they, they stop Arizona – on a fourth down and one mm-hmm. in like on the goal line at, at like an eight ten yard line whatever it is, and so they stop them there right with it was twelve thirty one left on the clock and it's a twenty three seven game, and then they run nine seconds off the clock in three straight incompletions and they punt nine seconds and I'm thinking to myself how can you be that dumb yeah it was like, I mean in in all like you give them an opportunity. But thank goodness they did because now you guys are one on one instead of zero and two. But I, you know, you 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 leave the tutelage of the grand poobah of all things football, and it's like you forget every lesson you've ever learned. I, I that part I don't understand. But I, I tell you, and and I've said this to you guys before, the improvisational skills of Kyler Murray and what he's been able to accomplish, like in those situations, it's just mind blowing. It, it really is. Now that said. You can't win that way. No. Like, you can't win long-term playing off schedule the whole time, yeah. right? The teams are not going to let you essentially do that, right? And maybe, you know, maybe Josh McDaniels needs a four-hour clause in his contract. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Steve Kime can head send the uh, contract language over to the Raiders and they can put that in his contract <laughs> because certainly, uh, certainly – 
he was a huge factor in them being able to come back and win that game, taking nothing away from Arizona because it's a it's a it's a remarkable comeback, no question about it. You're so right on everything you said, but just from a visual standpoint, somebody said that Kyler Murray looks like a toddler who just stole his parents' cell phone and was running away with it, and nobody can quite catch him, and and it 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 kind of it it makes me chuckle because you just don't see that on a football field all that often. So let me ask you this: that certainly cannot be sustainable week to week to week to week, but in that second half, I don't know whether it was the Raiders who powered down at halftime thinking the game was in their back pocket, or whether the Cardinals' offensive line finally found something. You, uh, being a great offensive line and, uh, lineman and being a part of great offensive lines, did you see anything from this current Cardinal offensive line in that second half that might be sustainable, that might make this path a little smoother going forward? Well, there's always, you know, there's always um, confidence, right? When you build confidence, when you when you have some of those things that go in your favor. The other part is, you know, the Raiders essentially quit blitzing. Uh, like in the first half, I think they were at a 40% clip of bringing pressure, and then they backed out of it in the second half to like a 15% clip. So, you know, and I, and I understand kind of the philosophy is, hey, we got a big lead now. The only thing that can hurt us is big plays. So let's just keep everything in front of us, rally up and make tackles and do those things. But, uh, you know, against Kyler Murray and his ability to scramble around and do some of those, I, I think that's probably, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, it's probably the wrong, you know, tac- tactic to, to take or to implement. But anytime that you have a win like that, anytime that you do some things a little bit better, that's always a confidence builder for you. And you can learn, you know, on both sides of that film, you can look at the tape in the first half and say, hey, here's what we did wrong. Here's what's correctable. And here's some of the things we did really well. And not only do you learn from as a player, but you learn from a coach. Like, hey, man, I can't put my guys in this position because this is they're not here yet. Mm-hmm. But these are the things we can take advantage of. So I think some of that stuff is always uh, a great confidence builder, a confidence builder uh, for players in general. Marsh Lareth, our weekly NFL guest, to talk football here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, you, you know, your points on on Josh McDaniels are valid. Uh, you know, first year coach in an AFC West team, uh, and he's under fire already. And that's the same thing that's going on in Denver. The, the the records are different. The Broncos got a win, but to hear the crowd at the Broncos game counting down the play clock because they uh, the delay of game penalties, the weird play calls. Can you remember a, a stranger two week uh, beginning to a coaching? tenure ever no and, and you know and he didn't do himself any favors he really didn't because you know everybody was concerned because the broncos didn't play any of their starters in the preseason and you know and and people were concerned and they asked him questions about not playing guys and are you concerned about not calling plays with russell wilson and very like very matter of fact of factly you could some would say arrogantly he said hey man this ain't my first rodeo i've been here before i've called plays um, well, the operation has just been absolutely atrocious. And let me just tell you what happens to you as an offense when all of a sudden, like, the play, the play clock is running down, right? Mm-hmm. And you get a play in late. You get a play in late, it speeds up the whole the whole process, right? And so all of a sudden, you're not walking up the line of scrimmage taking in information, uh, you know, you're hustling up the line of scrimmage just to try to get the ball snapped. And so all of a sudden you're getting in a formation where you go, you know, you fly to a formation. So anytime you fly, you're going from one side to the other. You know, you're taking a three-by-one, making it a two-by-two. You're, you're coming out in solo with a tight end on each side, and you're, and you're flying to west, right? You fly to the, the ending 
ending position that you want to be in. And then you motion across the formation, right, or whatever the case may be. Well, half the time, you're doing that as an indicator. One, you're making them change strengths on defense. You're making the defense have to communicate. You're making all those guys play on their heels a little bit, move around. The other thing that you, you do when you get that is you get information about who's in man coverage. If they, you know, Do they follow across or do they just bump it? Is it man? Is it zone? You're, you're pulling all that information in. Well, when you get to play in late, half the time you're like, we can't fly right now. We can't do fly motion because we're late. So just line up in it. So now you're lining up in a static formation. Nobody's gaining any information. No, And, and so you're playing at a disadvantage instead of the quarterback going, oh, I just figured out what covers they're in. This is what I like the best. Like, I like my ex receiver man-to-man with this guy. You, you don't have any of that, right? So you're, you're doing it as you snap the ball. Like, it, it is atrocious what has happened. Um, in the first two games. And I think part of that is probably, hey, the first game in Seattle, crowd noise, 12th man, you know, ha, 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 wow, what a tough position we put ourselves in. That won't happen again. And maybe you didn't address it. I don't know. But um, it's certainly, you know, it's certainly, and I think this happens with first-time play callers who are also head coaches. I, I think this game speeds up on you a little bit. And, you know, you're thinking about down, distance, situation, What the, instead, of, instead of just calling plays two and three plays ahead. And I think that's – I think it's sped up on Nathaniel Hackett, and I think it's been a uh, kind of a shocking revelation for him. How about that? Now the Broncos and Russell Wilson get the 49ers this week in the alarmingly handsome Jimmy Garoppolo. But I want to ask you about this. <laughs> the, the reports that Russell Wilson was gathering around the offense, encouraging them and telling them to commit – to helping the defense, calling out runner pass, and it, it sounds like that high school Harry stuff that Russell Wilson does that that makes guys, especially on the defense, just roll their eyes at him uh, in a town that that has been clinging to Russell Wilson despite the fact that you've had an NHL champion, you had an MVP in Nikola Jokic. How is his act going over after these two games? Well, we've been without a quarterback for so long. So I think that, uh, you know, we're just happy to have one, right? <laughs> right. But certainly, like, certainly, like, you got to have, you have to have a coach on your staff, especially when you have a young coaching staff like the Broncos have. You have to have a coach on your staff that basically calls a coach out and says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We're not doing it, right? <laughs> uh, like, who's the guy on your, on your staff? Like, when your plan is to line up and kick a 64-yarder at Lumen Field when the longest field goal over there was 56 and you thought that was a good plan, who's the guy on your staff that goes, hey, dumbass, that ain't going to work? Like, who's that guy? And then who's the guy on your football team when Russell Wilson starts calling, call out everybody, call out runner pass, that – like, if he did that on the teams that I played on with our offensive line, oh boy. Well, get out of here, kid. Go <laughs> sit down. Like, there is no way anybody would have participated in that kind of tomfoolery, <laughs> right? So, um, but listen, right now we're still, we still have this. We've been six years in purgatory, right? We, we're like, we know what it's like to not have a quarterback. So, yeah, like we're, he may be corny, but he's our corny, damn it! And uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna love him through it. So yeah, it's uh, it's a little ridiculous yeah. to, to say the least. Oh, Mark, great stuff as always. Enjoy the uh, football weekend, and we'll talk you talk to you next Wednesday. Sounds good. Take care, guys. All right, Mark Schler, NFL on Fox 104.3. The fan, he joins us Wednesday to talk NFL every single week. Uh, before we hit the break, we gotta, we gotta do some business. Jarrett, spin the wheel of benchmarks.
ask me anything? anything? I knew that was going to happen. Luck of the draw. I had such a feeling. I, I love how Jared pushes a button, then pretends to spin a wheel. I love that visual. <laughs> and doesn't it's pre-record did he any really of the benchmarks. He did do that. Yeah, he he's well, looking at you it. like, did I do that? <laughs> I love it. He's yeah. He's dreaming. He's on the wheel of fortune. Uh, and ask me anything Wednesday it next. Just like Vanna. Pickley and Marana mornings, ninety-eight-seven <laughs> FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Yeah, this just happening during the uh, break. Um, so we're going to stick with this. Uh, Gerald Bourget from PHNX.com was the first to put this out there. Or uh, go PHNX.com. Uh, Robert Sarver, managing partner of the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury, today issued the following statement. Uh, and I'll just read the statement to you. Words that I deeply regret now overshadow nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together and strengthened the Phoenix area uh, through the unifying power of professional men's and women's basketball. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected the uh, that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, uh, that whatever good I have done or still could do is outweighed by things that I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. I do not want to be a distraction to these two teams and the fine people who work so hard to bring the joy and excitement of basketball to fans around the world. I want what's best for these two organizations, the players, the employees, the fans, the community, my fellow owners, the NBA, and the WNBA. This is the best course of action for everyone. In the meantime, I will continue to work on becoming a better person and continuing to support the community in meaningful ways. Thank you for continuing to root for the Suns and Mercury, embracing the power that sports has to bring us together. Yeah, Robert Sarver. Yeah, listen, and as I said in the blast an hour and a half ago, uh, that is that is the graceful exit that I think will will help fans um, not hyper-focus on, on the ickiness of the workplace culture that Robert Sarver was ultimately responsible for. I, I commend him for recognizing that this basketball team is bigger than him. I commend him for recognizing the distractions ahead that were facing the Phoenix Suns and the heavy questions and the and the stances that they would have had to have taken starting Monday. Um, I, I respect that. I respect for him. I respect him for bowing out now for the good of everybody and for the good of the brand and the good of the franchise. It might not be for the good of Robert Sarver, but again, he's had a long run at this. He's going to make a lot of money off of this, and and uh, so it's not it's not an L for him. It's it's a win for everybody else. That's how I would like to phrase it. I think basketball fans um, who have been hoping that this would be the outcome based on what was ten years of dysfunction. Uh, this is this is this is music to their ears. But I, but in terms of the context of Robert Sarver coming to this decision, I respect him for this. I can, for, for not being defiant, for not fighting to his last breath, for not being the victim, for realizing that even though I've got I've got a personal stake in this, there's a larger interest here. Uh, commend is the right word. You use the right word. I commend Robert Sarver for this as well. We talked about it earlier in this show about what's going to happen on Monday when when the players have to face the questions mm-hmm. about an uncertain future. What happens after this year's suspension is up? And to Draymond Green's comments on his podcast, what happens if Robert Sarver is defiant and wants to fight this tooth and nail? Um, and and um, you know, he had every 
He had the power to make this a very an uglier situation. Absolutely, uh, in dealing with with protecting what his is his mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, of of a battle with the NBA. So yeah, I think commend is the right word. And we talked about that possibility last week too. That you know Robert Sarver has a family, um, and you know at, at some point does does fighting this really become worth it? Yeah. I, I, and I think the answer we both arrived at is no, it's not worth it. And it, it appears that that was the conclusion yeah, that he came up, to as well. And you end up paying a fortune to lawyers and you might end up in the same place at the end of it all. The fact that Draymond Green had basically called on the NBA Board of Governors to vote and, and he basically said, listen, you know, I've heard it all, but uh, we want to find out who's with us and who's not. So let's put this thing to a vote and let's see how this vote shakes out. I, I think that was the beginning of of this decision that Robert Sarver just happened to make. So there you go. So I wonder who is going to be in the running to buy this it's exciting team. Exciting that was. Yeah, it? listen, I I I do think that this organization needs it and I don't think there was any coming back from this. Well, that, I, I don't think it under any circumstance Robert Sarver could have come back and just resume business as usual. That's what I wonder too though is that you know it's been made very public that Robert Sarver is the biggest stakeholder in the Suns at 35% ownership. That means 65% of this team is owned by minority owners. Right. Are they in all in, a, in agreement to, to unload this? Will there be minority ownership rising up to take control of the team? Will it be an outside entity? Which, uh, for a lot of people, is exciting. Yep. It, it, it can be not the not the greatest thing either. Um, I mean, it depends on, on who steps forward. There's a lot of questions to be answered, but this is... Uh, yeah, and, and, and let me say this, too. Um commending Robert Sarver not only ultimately for the decision to do this, but the timeliness with which he did it. This suspension is days old. Yeah, he might have listened to my blast. Oh, no, that's, oh was that's that being, the, that's, that's, that's be, what turned the tide. That's being a dull. I'm joking there. I, I'm not trying to make light of, of a very serious situation. Here. I was going to say maybe you listen to Draymond Green's podcast. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's also, let's not heap too much praise on Robert Wait, Sarver. I'm not. No. I'm not. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm not. I, I am not doing that. I'm 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 praising him for for gracefully surrendering this franchise back to us. I didn't expect taking, this to happen quite honestly. And taking yeah. the onus off the players. Who knows if Robert Sarver got uh, you know, when the, of what the how the players were going to react. Maybe he reached out to Chris Paul, and maybe Chris Paul let him know, yeah, no, this is not. We're not. We're not. We're not cool with this, man. And, but he should have already known that. So I, I, I think that this is a this is an exciting time for the Phoenix Suns now, and, and you hope that the next owner. Uh, can get this thing done, can get this franchise to the finish line. Um, I've heard of, you know, John Najafi has got a lot of money. He he fits the NBA profile of what they want to be and what they stand for. Um, Artie Marino is local and he's selling the uh, Angels. I've heard people speculate that with his strong ties to the Hispanic community of which Devin Booker has tapped into, that he would be a great candidate. There's any number of super mega wealthy people we've never heard of who will probably get involved in this. Mm-hmm. But I do think this. I do think that before the decision was Jerry Colangelo's to sell to Robert Sarver, and at the time I don't think Jerry Colangelo quite understood the rough edges of Robert Sarver's personality, but I do think the NBA is going to be very careful in who takes over and purchases this franchise. You have to be. You yeah. have to be. You have to it's be amazing also what in modern sports 
the public pressure, what it can do. Look at the, in, the long investigation into Deshaun Watson. They came down with a punishment, and public pressure just said, this is not right. They had to give up harsher punishment. Mm-hmm. The NBA investigation into Robert Sarver, a long investigation. They came down with a punishment. The public pressure said, this is not enough, mm-hmm. and now he's selling the team. Yeah, I mean, again, I said I didn't expect this to happen. I certainly didn't expect it to happen this quickly. We talked about the brewing storm last yeah. week. We had one major sponsor, not even fully pull out, threatened to pull out if Robert Sarver returned as the managing general partner. I expected, quite honestly, more of, of that along those lines. I mean, you have to wonder about the possibilities of employees that were affected, that were dissatisfied with the ruling from the NBA. Are they going to come forward with civil suits? I thought this was, if, if it was going to get here, I thought this was a ways down, yeah, down the line. I, I, I did think that this was going to happen. I did not think that Robert Sarver was going to return. I did not know what was going to happen this fast, but as I said in my blast, I was really hoping that this would happen before training camp because this team yes. does not deserve this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in case you're just joining us, uh, news is out. Robert Sarver announcing that he started the process to sell both the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury. We'll have more thoughts on this on Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Song of the day. The most predictable song of the day ever. I think we do it every year. We do. <laughs> I'm not mad. It is a great song. Do you remember? There it is. All right, let's get back into this. Song of the day, September from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Because of calendar reasons. Yeah, calendar reasons. 21st night of September. Yeah, that's today's uh, song of the day. I I think in reading this... Wait a minute. uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Bickley and Murata going off the the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. Sorry about that. Um, I, I, I sit back here and I read this and I, and I read the statement and there's still, you can, you can read twinges of bitterness, tinges of bitterness from Robert Sarver. More than tinges. More than tinges of bitterness from Robert Sarver about being denied the ability to spend the next year proving to everybody that he's changed or he's not that guy. Re- reference go, to a current unforgiving climate. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Basically exactly. saying he's getting canceled. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. That's exactly that's what, what he's saying. That's what he's saying without saying it. And, and that, that's the one thing that I step back and I say this is exactly why this has to be the outcome because I don't think anybody really believes that Robert Sarver feels that he's done anything all that wrong and and those screenshots that Baxter Holmes retweeted today are proof. Yes. They're a proof. He wants to be forgiven but still seems to believe he didn't actually do anything that requires asking for forgiveness in the first place. That's right. And and so and the reaction and those screenshots are proof if you go back and read them they're proof that that he doesn't see this as any issue at all. So I'm, uh, so this is, you know, I, I think this is a victory to the players. I think this is a victory to LeBron James and Chris Paul and Draymond Green and the new head of the NBPA. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, if, if you're vi- worried uh, if you're worried about how this was going to affect this year's basketball team, that's a question you asked Al McCoy, the 50-plus the, the year voice of the Suns, that question, uh, because that was lingering. And, you know, this is, this is unprecedented territory yeah. for this franchise. Right. 
for a team that does have championship aspirations and mm-hmm. probably wants to erase a really bitter finish last year. I mean, that gets washed away now. Yeah. 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 Can I also uh, add that he starts off the press release with words that I deeply regret now overshadow nearly two decades of building organizations that brought people together, etc. So clearly they're referring to the use of the N-word in the workplace. Still, at no point, still, is there any reference to asking a female employee if she upgraded with breast implants. Uh, The claim that he told his female employees that women cry too much, that he pulled down a male colleague's pants, that he exposed himself. He still doesn't address any of that. He just focuses on words that he said. Yeah. Which is one part of the picture. He's positioning himself as, hey, I'm being canceled because of this unforgiving climate. And I do take objection to that, but I do, I, I, I am relieved that this is the outcome. I think this is what the basketball team needs to move forward. This franchise uh, otherwise would have been in a terrible state of limbo. Terrible. Uh, where this would be a distraction, where it would certainly be an obstacle to recruit any players. You would have the NBPA basically uh, basically telling people you cannot go to Phoenix because because of this. So I, I think this is a this is a day of celebration for Phoenix Suns fans is what I think this is. Yeah, you mentioned too, you know, the potential uh, as as Robert Sarver prepares to sell both franchises, and you mentioned the name John Najafi, who obviously is a is a very wealthy man. Three point five billion. Three point five billion dollar net worth. I wonder now if this development changes his stance. Last week, he made it very clear when he called for the ouster of Robert Sarver that he didn't want to be the managing general partner. Right. And he was steadfast about whoever is the next steward, was the word he used, would would treat that, that position with respect. I wonder if this development changes that. I wonder, I wonder. If, if John Najafi wants to be the guy now. I wonder. I, I wonder that. I wonder who else is going to get involved. I do think, like I said before, I think the NBA is going to be the NBA is going to be deeply involved in who is going to be the next majority owner of this Bob basketball Iger. team. Bob Iger's that's name been that's been out there. For a few years, so, yeah. so just to give you the general impression of Robert Sarver in the NBA community, this is what uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said. There were always concerns that Sarver's stubbornness and desire to paint himself as a victim would make him willing to continue as a pariah in the NBA community. But his decision to sell the Suns and Mercury bails out the league and his ownership peers. It's true. It does. It bails, I was gonna get it bails to that out Adam Silver. You ever seen this guy, Jared? He, he's still he, he's going to have to wear that. He's going to have to wear the fact that that his penalty was was deemed absurdly light, which forced the players into doing this. Now, maybe that was the game plan all along. There are people going, hey, this is all 3D chess from the very beginning. Whatever. But I, I had said I expected this to drag out. I think a lot of people that had an interest in this expected Robert Sarver to to, to, to dig in. To, to dig in and, and, and fight this. And, and you've had your battles with Robert Sarver over the years. Indeed. You butted heads and uh, you didn't you didn't necessarily feel that way. That, that this would drag. I, I just I thought that this pressure was going to get too much for 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 this to go on, for this to be tenable. If the pressure got to that point, then the NBA the NBA owners probably would have called a vote and probably would have chosen to address this, and then had to sink that money into legal costs fighting it. I think they probably were willing to do that, but I do think that this this intermediate step was effective. It got the result. And, and now we can welcome a, a new, different owner to Phoenix, and, and hopefully this one will 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 be of 
championship timber. Put it that way. That's a good way of putting it. Do you think other owners are exhaling right now? Sighs of relief. Okay. Yes. We don't have to vote. People yes. Don't we don't to have to worry us. about being sued. We don't have to worry. We don't about have to get a spotlight on us. Yeah. Exactly. We don't have to worry. About, we don't have to worry about our owners. emails being subpoenaed. Yeah. Look at their emails. Look at their text messages. Go after them. Go get them, girl. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Ruthless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of people breathing easy right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and Luke Lipinski. You know, have you ever heard of this guy, Jarrett? Is he breathing easy? He, no, he pointed Sounds out, like what is 72 hours in Arizona? Changing of ASU coaches, oh, that crazy comeback in Vegas, and now this. Oh, and we still have two days left before the weekend. And the Diamondbacks finally wow. beat the Dodgers. Hey! Wow, the craziest <laughs> yeah, of okay. all. The craziest of all. Uh, a lot more on this tomorrow. A lot more on this today on uh, Wolf and Luke and uh, Burns and Gamble. Thanks to Jill Guerin, Al McCoy, Mark Schlereth for joining us. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at 6 here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Have a great day, everybody.